Hey, this is the Nobody Likes Casey McLean podcast. Please check out my stand-up dates at thecaseymcclain.com. Also, follow me on all social media at thecaseymcclain. Check out stand-up clips and videos of mine at youtube.com slash McLean. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is where I host this podcast. It's where the file sits. It's also a great place if you want to start a podcast where you can record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When you're hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast to all the listening platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. Whatever you're listening to this podcast on, you can get your podcast to that platform very easily. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hey everybody, I'm recording this. I'm actually recording it on, this is the Thursday episode and I'm recording it on Thursday a little after noon. <sighs> my daughter just went down for a nap. And the fact that it's a Thursday and my daughter went down for a nap at home should tell you that once again... The McLean household is going through uh, what I've begun to call just COVID hell. Um, none of us have it. Uh, I actually did find out that I was exposed to someone who is positive. <laughs> but I mean, you, you'd be hard pressed to find someone who's tested more times than I have. And uh, I'm still negative. <laughs> I'm also, by the way, like I do subscribe to the the apparently controversial opinion that we're all going to get this Omicron variant. If you haven't gotten, I mean, I don't know why I haven't gotten it because I've tested very frequently. Um, I mean, since like September, since I really started first off, since the, the rapid tests became easily available and I was going on the road a decent amount for comedy, I've been testing a lot. I've tested a lot. And um, I've been negative. I've never tested positive one time. Not a false positive, nothing. And so I don't know what to, like at this point, I'm like, I'm not, listen, I, I'm still careful. I still wear a mask most of the time. I'm still, uh, I'm three times vaccinated. I, I, whatever. I haven't done hand sanitizer in about, 15 months. I'll admit that. I think the hand sanitizer thing, man, I've, I, uh, there's so much from the early parts of this. I was thinking about this the other day. I, I was, uh, I saw this, uh, I, I'm not sure if it was a meme or real life. It's hard to know anymore, but it was like, uh, it was a screenshot of a memo at a business and it said, so-and-so, uh, because of, I mean, these people are all working remotely. And it said, because so-and-so has developed a fear of people without masks, I have to ask that on our company Zoom calls, we all wear masks. And obviously that's truly insane. Uh, I don't know if it's real or not, but truly insane. But I remember at the beginning of this pandemic, I was working from home like like many people were, people that are lucky enough to have jobs that they're able to work from home. And I was uh I'd be in Zoom meetings and I hadn't left my house in three weeks. I know this is by the way, if you've listened to this podcast, I've told this before. I'm sorry. I just have only so many stories and I've committed to this arbitrary 
uh, two shows a week to fill. So I'm telling it again, but, uh, at the, uh, at this point in the pandemic, we still thought that you could get it from like touching your face. Do you remember that? Do you remember that part where they were like, they were like, uh, you got it's, it gets in through your eyeballs. So you gotta keep like, I remember there were studies that were like people with glasses are less likely to get it. And I was like, well, great. My bad vision finally does something good for me. And, uh, so I was in a zoom meeting. I haven't left my house in fucking three weeks. And I touch my face, and my boss is like, Casey, Casey, don't do that. Don't, don't, don't touch your face. You're gonna... And I'm like, dude, listen, the reason I was being safe at the time is so I could do shit like touch my face. So, and this is like, I mean, I I, I don't know if you remember, but this is like uh, pre-mask. This is very, very, very early on in the in the pandemic when we didn't know. I mean, the it does seem like it's pretty much an airborne illness which makes sense, uh, was not what they were saying early on, but it makes sense. And, uh, anyway, so my daughter's daycare, once again, they don't even have, um, like my daughter's classroom, I don't think actually got exposed or like it's the, there are so many teachers and administrators right now that have COVID, uh, at this daycare that they had to shut the daycare down for just, a week the way that i mean apparently the infections are staggered enough that they think that um by monday they'll have somebody they'll have enough people to be able to operate again but this is happening everywhere by the way and i i saw a projection of this and i think it's probably pretty accurate which is we might be facing a shutdown but it's not going to be because it's like incredibly unsafe to go to get this variant of covid um, it's because, uh, there's going to be no workforce and not even for the reasons, not even for the low pay reasons that we've seen the like great resignation thing, not even because of that. It's just right now, so many people have COVID. We are, our case counts are higher than they've ever been. Case counts are not the the main indicator. And one of the other things too, by the way, that's really bothered me is uh so a comedian discovered a comedian that I used to be friendly with and have had some uh some differences with discovered this week that I blocked them on Twitter and all social media. And this was brought to my attention because they like, you know, put a screenshot and then they were like publicly, they were working through their investigation publicly and eventually, uh, so it got forwarded to me. So I went over and checked this person's page and it's the comedians are still doing this thing, which I didn't, I thought we were done with because almost every comedian that I know is back performing, but I realized something that I'll say after this, but they're still doing the thing where like, when a comedian gets COVID, they're like, oh, that's because you're selfish and trying to, you know, further your pitiful career. That's like a, a refrain that people still have. January 2022, this is still the refrain. It's still, well, if you got COVID, it's your scarlet letter. You must have been an irresponsible, selfish piece of shit. It can't be that it's 
infecting three times. Comedians, by the way, probably have the highest vaccination rate of any fucking profession because in many of the cities where comedy is popular and available, there are vaccine mandates to get into bills. Like Seattle has a vaccine mandate to go into restaurants. Whatever you feel about that, these are the places where comedy's happening. New York, there's a vaccine mandate for restaurants. Like many comedians, even comedians who maybe have an ideological uh, opposition to getting vaccinated. I'm not even talking about the mandates because I have some beef with the mandates. I'm not in love with the mandates, but even that have an ideological opposition to getting vaccinated. Some of them are getting vaccinated because they want to go back to doing comedy. Comedians have an extremely high vax rate and the fucking, uh, we waited a year and a half motherfucker. Like we, what are we, what are we doing? What's the, uh, maybe not a year and a half, like a year. It was a, I went a full year without doing comedy regularly. I did like five back. God, I've talked about this so many times, but we, like one of the things that's bothered me throughout this whole uh, pandemic is the way that we've never like adjusted our thinking to accommodate for like what's happening right now. Right. Like this idea that, that comedians shouldn't be out touring, shouldn't be out performing is I didn't like it back then either, but it was, it's kind of rooted in a time when there was no vaccine. There was no hope for a vaccine when the death rate was pretty high, when our case, we didn't have testing in place. Like the best we had is that stupid thermometer at the door that doesn't, that didn't tell us anything. And, uh, I mean, how many people do you know of who got turned away because they had a fever? So like right now, what we have is like a 30% positivity rate in this country, which means that 30% of the people I tweeted about this, so I'm going to go into hot COVID talk. I need like a, like a, uh, like a, some audio that says that we're entering COVID talk and you can like, I don't know, skip ahead till it's no longer COVID talk. Um, right now about 30% of the people that are testing are positive and that's not, so that's also, by the way, we don't have, it's not like because this is an extremely transmissible variant, we have more testing. There's actually about the same amount of testing. There hasn't been a significant increase in per capita testing since September 2021. So there's, by the way, part of that is, the good news uh, about that is part of the reason is because people have the option to get at-home tests pretty readily. Uh I've had, and I, I don't consider this hoarding because I'm uh, doing a lot of like potentially high risk stuff by doing comedy, but I also purchased, I bought like, I don't know, I have 10 boxes. I had at the most like 10 boxes of at home tests. So I was testing. Part of the reason I bought more is because my wife, uh, mom and daughter tested positive, um, and so I tested, I tested every day, twice a day on the days that I was drinking. I've said this on this podcast. I've also, by the way, I've been, I've been very happy to be able to give tests to friends of mine who are not able to get uh, rapid tests. And in both cases, by the way, 
the people were positive. They tested positive on those tests. And I don't know what their behavior would have been. I don't know if they would have continued to go to work or not under the assumption that they weren't COVID positive. But in both cases, these people were positive. By the way, I like one guy, I had him stand outside. That's <laughs> still like this is like early pandemic stuff. I had him stand. I was on my porch and then there's like a walkway up to my porch and a gate and I had him stand on the other side of the gate. We both wore masks and I threw it at him. The other buddy, I, uh, I left the test on my porch. So I've been able to test a lot. There's a lot of these, uh, there's a lot of these tests available and they're not all getting reported. Most of them aren't getting reported. So like on a, on a daily basis, I think about five out of every thousand people have been tested roughly between four and five of every thousand people have been tested since September, 2021. And our positivity rate skyrocketed. Like there's no doubt. There's no, there's no like uh testing reduction bias. A lot more people in this country have COVID right now than had COVID probably any point in the pandemic because there's, I mean, the, the case counts are skyrocketing exclusively because a higher percentage of recorded tests are coming back positive. And I think it was like 7% before Omicron started hitting the United States. So, I mean, like, I, like the, like I'm, the, my point is, is like, you're fucking shaming people. It means like you're shaming people who are three times vaccinated. My, everybody in my family is three times vaccinated. The fucking, my, my wife is a teacher. They're, they're having the principal is teaching two classes at a time in the cafeteria to avoid like not having enough teachers. Like the, the union is having to renegotiate the terms of like emergency subs because there's not enough people and everybody is just at the fucking end of their rope, right? Like these are people who are trying. I mean, uh, restaurants around me are just closing for a week at a time because their entire staff tests positive. Uh, I think that so the, the thing that I saw is that there's some expectation that will shut down. But again, the reason, like I said, is because there won't be any employees and that's the deal. That's what we're going through is we've had a labor shortage because of this great resignation. And now what we have is everybody who hasn't gotten COVID yet, probably vaccinated or not, is going to get Omicron. It seems like some people who've already gotten one of the prior variants are going to get Omicron also. So I don't know, like my situation is weird. It's weird that I'm, I haven't tested positive yet. In fact, ever, I believe, and I might've said this on the last podcast, but like every time I take a test and it's negative, I think my wife gets annoyed that I'm not, that I'm somehow like, I've had this like crazy stretch of immunity. I was in Fort Wayne, Indiana, people from that weekend of comedy tested positive after I tested or after we left, I tested five times in the week that followed that never tested positive that Friday. I headlined a show in Arlington, Washington. I was like, an, I was an emergency fill in because the guy who was scheduled to headline had COVID the one of the guys that I know that tested positive on the test that I gave him 
was the host of that show. I've since tested multiple times and I've been negative. I don't know why. I don't, I actually don't think that I have, obviously I'm joking to some degree that I have like some superpower. What I think I probably have is either a past infection from, I, I believe that I had COVID in February, 2020. I'm one of those pieces of shit that, that believes they had it extremely early. So it's either the combination of that infection and vaccination, or it's, I mean, it would have to be like pre Thanksgiving though, because I, yeah, because we had a, we had a breakthrough case at our Thanksgiving. And then I went to, uh, open for JP Sears, which for all intents and purposes is like an anti-vax rally. And I mean, the vaccination rate in that room had to be sub 10%. And I fucking didn't get it. And then I, I tested every day. Uh, and then my wife tested positive December 1st. And I tested, I think since Thanksgiving, I've tested probably 35 times at this point. And, and that's not an exaggeration. I keep just buying tests, buying tests, keep dropping the money. Because it's important to me, by the way. To find out if I'm positive so that I don't spread it. The day that I found out my wife was positive, I took a test and I was negative, but I still canceled the shows, the show I was on that night and the show that I, <clears throat> and the show that I had that weekend. I still never tested positive, but I canceled those shows because it is important to me. So, and I, and the reason it was different with my wife, by the way, is like, first off, we're all being exposed right now. Every single person is being exposed. If 30% of the people who are getting tested have it and people are waiting six hours in line to get tested, a fuckload of this country has COVID right now. Maybe it's 20% of the people in this country. It's probably not 20%. It's probably more like whatever, 10 or 15%, but that's a, that's a lot of fucking people. That means one out of every 10 people you run into probably has COVID. But the symptoms are very mild. Despite all that, despite all these cases, despite the hospitalization rate increasing, we're not seeing a spike in death rate. In fact, the the case fatality rate is going is the lowest it's been since it started being on uh, our world in data, where where is the only place that I've seen case fatality rate very well presented. Their number dates back to September 2020. That we're at the lowest point we've ever been at. Despite this massive increase in cases and hospitalizations and all that stuff. So um, the, what we are facing right now is a very different situation than January or than fucking October 2020 or even January 2021 when we had a vaccine, but it wasn't available to everyone, right? Like. My the rule in my house. I didn't do any road comedy be, until uh, my wife was fully vaccinated, and I was I had a shot. Now I would have gone and done it without the vaccine, but it was important for me that my wife felt safe about it. Also, and then when I would go do stuff like that, or when I did, I, I did some like local shows also. And when I would do a local show, when I when when I would take a risk. With my own body, I would take like two weeks off of seeing my parents and my wife's parents. And so 
that was yeah that i mean like again it's like the the it's just insulting to me that people just uh for, the other thing about this by the way the reason this popped up is because my friend he two friends of mine uh had a not even an exchange one friend the guy that i let borrow a test uh tested positive and then posted the test results on his instagram now i do think it's a little bit suspect to be trying to like create content out of your test results and you know who you are you're suspect but uh Another friend posted a joke that was, uh, it just said, comedians who are booked more than me to comedians with COVID pipeline. And then the guy that I blocked retweeted that and then tweeted something like, um, it was like comedians catching COVID, trying to perfect that 15 minutes in every corner bar. I probably shouldn't have described this tweet so exactly because you could probably figure out who it is if you wanted to, but. Uh, that dude's friends, these, his like supposedly woke friends, they're also doing comedy and catching COVID. <laughs> like I know, I know because they've told me, but they're not announcing it because they feel shame because they've been outspoken critics of other comedians throughout this whole process. And now they got COVID in fucking 2022 the the same way that you know brian callen and uh what's his name the other guy got it in fucking whatever 2020 it's i mean at least like the i've been honest the whole fucking time that's the thing that i've never gotten it and not told anybody uh i've you know I think we should have been more transparent. The shaming thing just doesn't, it simply doesn't work. It's the same thing. Uh, these like, you know, attempted cancellations and stuff like that. Or what's that book called? So you've been publicly shamed. I assume that's what that's about. It's the like lack of effectiveness of probably not the lack of effect. Whatever. Who gives a fuck? My, uh, summary of a book that I haven't read is probably not top content on here. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I had one other thing I wanted to talk about besides this, and then I got I got fired up on this. Um, let's see. Oh, so restaurants are closing. I had a really fun day today because <clears throat> so the the. Uh, the thing that I wanted to talk about was that my, so my daughter's home, we went to, um, we went to a restaurant this morning. We were going to, so my daughter's like, you know, she got COVID. Like the point is we're not worried about, uh, her contracting COVID at this point. And there wasn't actually like exposure at my daughter's daycare. Long story, boring. Um, and I've tested a bunch also so we went to a restaurant you gotta you gotta give like the goddamn you gotta do a prayer before you explain that you went to have any fun still we went to we went to a restaurant i haven't you know i don't get a lot of time with my daughter like this like one-on-one -on -one, a full day of hanging out and i like it when it happens i understand by the way that like 
uh, to do my wife some some justice, it's more difficult when you do it a lot. Like I I I get like a full day alone with my daughter so infrequently that when I do, it's like, oh, this is gonna be fun. We're gonna have fun that day. And when it's you know three days in a row because your asshole husband decided that he's got to go to Fort Wayne, Indiana to nearly break even after all the fucking travel nightmare. Um, it's less fun. And by the way, my wife was, uh, shouldering the burden of all the stress of the travel, even though it wasn't her experiencing it. She was, she was still like taking on the stress. So anyway, I, uh, went to a restaurant with my daughter. We arrive restaurant supposed to open at 8 a.m. And there's no announcement on Facebook. I called. There's no like outgoing voicemail. I don't know where where this is. My wife actually, oh excuse me, my wife actually found it somewhere. So maybe it's on their website or something like that. But they're just like not open. They're supposed to be open at eight, not open. Uh, and my question is, when are we allowed to start getting mad about these like unannounced um, closures? I'm not mad about the closure, obviously, like every business is struggling to keep their staff healthy and working. Um, I'm, I'm sympathetic to that, but like put it on Facebook, put it on Twitter, put it on Instagram, something like that. Don't, don't, I mean, I'm, I show up in a, it's like me and an old lady, my daughter's like whining cause she wants to be out of the car seat. And I'm just like, is this place going to, are they just opening late? And apparently they have temporary, according to my wife, which I got to figure out where she got the information from. But according to my wife, their uh, the restaurant that I went to has temporary, like reduced hours, opening at eleven a.m. So then, here's what I did. I uh, I kept my dog. I never got her out of the car seat, luckily, because it's a real struggle to get her back into it. And I took my daughter to Grit City Breakfast in Tacoma, Washington, which is the daytime business that runs out of the location where Tacoma Comedy Club is. And it was fucking awesome. Uh, they're not super busy in there during the week in the morning. So that's kind of a thing for me too, is like my daughter's two. She's not incredible at being at restaurants and I feel bad. I always tip extra when we bring my daughter places because it's a hassle in every way for the, for the, it's more of a hassle for the, the server. Um, the kid's going to make more of a mess. They're going to be louder. They kind of want them to, they're going to be like less patient getting their food. Uh, their food costs less. They probably need like crayons and shit like that. My daughter, I brought crayons. She didn't touch them. She was like, get those fucking crayons out of my face, dad. But it was, you know, uh, oh boy, this is going to be very lame. This is going to be lame. Tacoma Comedy Club has been very good to me. Uh, they've been, you know, to say they've like fed my family is technically true because we've eaten a lot of food there, but like, you know, it feels to me the, and by the way, one thing about a comedy club and one thing about any creative endeavor is for every person that feels like they are part of the family 
there's probably 300 people who feel excluded from that family. So I'm not, I'm not here to tell you that any comedian that's got a beef with the comedy club is just wrong. Uh, but it was like, it was pretty great. And I was, it was, uh, I think you should support them if you're, if you're looking for a good breakfast, uh, and they also are on Uber. I mean, they're just like slamming Uber Eats orders out the door. They're really crushing it on Uber Eats, but, and they have, if you live in Tacoma, they also have the best, uh, chicken wings in Tacoma. If you like Buffalo or lemon pepper, those are the only flavors they have. I'm pretty certain, uh, they're just on the menu to make me happy because those are my two favorite flavors. And, um, yeah, so that's, that was great. I think, uh, uh, if you're in an area and your comedy club, your local comedy club serves food, go eat there when it's not a comedy club. Also, by the way, like different food. It's not like you can get hash browns during a comedy show, except for the brunch show. Maybe that's, they're not doing right now because of the football season. All right. Finally. Uh, I watched the college national championship game and God damn, I feel like I, I'm so this week has been so scrambled that I'm worried that I said this already, but like somebody asked me who I'm rooting for in that game and I'm not an Alabama or Georgia fan. Um, I guess I've always liked like what Georgia had like Matt Stafford, Jacob Eason, Jacob Fromm. They have like a history of quarterbacks, pro style offenses, etc. And I think that uh they're interesting to me for that reason. But other than that, um I'm not a fan of either of those teams. And I the the idea that Georgia's like some underdog darling, by the way, they won. If you if you if you didn't watch, I'm sorry if it's still on your D V R several days later. Georgia won, but they're not some I mean that they're a fucking SEC powerhouse. This isn't like a like a Cinderella story that Georgia won. They were favored in the game against arguably the best uh, college football coach ever in Nick Saban. And I realized this thing, and this is something about as I've gotten older, I have less of the, like, I don't hate dynasties as much. I don't hate, like, um... Like last year's Super Bowl, I was rooting for Tom Brady because, like, I don't know. I guess, like, you do so much of this shit where it's like, you're like, oh, LeBron's better than Michael Jordan. And you're like, or uh, Michael Jordan, you know, wasn't near, nearly as good as Magic Johnson or whatever. And I'm like, for me, like, I barely got to see Magic Johnson play. And I don't, I don't think Michael Jordan was better than, or I don't think Magic Johnson was better than Michael Jordan, but... If he was, wouldn't you want to see him play? Like, we're getting to see the best football player ever in Tom Brady. And I also got to see, I think, the second best football player ever play a little bit. Uh, Jerry Rice is who I'd consider to be the second best football player ever. And so, uh, yeah, wouldn't you like, isn't it like Tiger Woods? People would be like, oh, he was, you know, whatever. Jack Nicholas was better because of this and this and this. And it's like, wouldn't you, like, what? why would you be rooting for not? I mean, I understand later in his career, we found out that he was banging Perkins waitresses and that you can feel however you want about that. That might make some people root for him more, but I'm talking about the time when tiger wasn't like a controversial figure morally or ethically, but was just the best golfer at the time. I was rooting for him to beat Jack Nick. Why, why would you not be? Why do you not want that? And don't, and I'm not even getting into the, like, very obviously there's a 
racial component to golf. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just sports in general. For me, now I'm like, why don't we just, if I had to root for anything, it's like, let's just root for me seeing the best fucking product possible. And for me, the lore of Tom Brady or the lore of Alabama football, to be able to to tell my grandkids about how great they were one day when hopefully the Washington Huskies and Seattle Seahawks have long surpassed them. And I'm like, you know, I know that the Seahawks and the Huskies are better because I saw Brady in Alabama and uh, these 20 straight combined championships uh, in a row between these two teams is truly remarkable. I have the context. So I was rooting for Alabama. <laughs> and I also, what was that dude's name? Jameson Williams? Is that his name? Jameson Williams, the receiver? You really hate to see... Uh, yeah, Jameson Williams. So James. Oh, he did declare for the draft. Good. Uh, Jameson Williams is... Uh, Mel Kuyper had him as the top receiver on his draft board. Um, he tore his ACL in the game, second quarter. So I heard a, a, some speculation that he might be available to an NFL team that drafts him like midseason. And similarly, Quandre Diggs, Seahawks safety, who's a free safety, who's had just a tremendous year and who's made up for, by the way, like a lot of the other deficiencies in the Seahawks secondary in a, in a game that doesn't matter at all, by the way, at least Jamison Williams was playing in a, uh, in a championship game that he ends up, the team ends up losing by the way, maybe because Jamison Williams got injured. Um, Quandre Diggs is playing in a game to get his team to seven and 10 and his team's not going to make the playoffs. There's really no reason other than just completionism for, for Quandre Diggs Cause he's had a fucking amazing season too. If he would have just got COVID, if Quandre Diggs would have just got COVID in week 17, he might be looking at millions of more dollars. So his break, he broke his leg and it was a, what do they call it? Like a closed break. Everybody just all of a sudden becomes a medical expert when they talk about this kind of shit. So uh, apparently he's going to be ready for the start. Or they think he's going to be ready for the start of the 2022 season and good for him because you feel horrible when you see that. Like these people are on the cusp of acquiring just generational wealth. Um, I don't know either of these guys backstories, but a common story in college and professional football are kids that don't come from massive amounts of money. And so this is like potentially life changing, uh, family changing for generations. And then to see like the one that I, that I feel closest to is, uh, what's his name? Um, Isaiah Thomas that was Washington Husky, not the other Isaiah, not Zeke, but the Isaiah Thomas that was, uh, played for the Washington Huskies and I believe he was playing for the Boston Celtics and I think maybe turned down like a below market extension and then played with played the same week that his sister like tragically passed away his sister still lived in the area 
I was working like, I don't know, like a delivery job or something like that, like Amazon, Amazon delivery or Uber or something like that. And, uh, she died like at like 19 years old. He, he, you know, came back for the funeral, but still played and, you know, left everything out on the court and then had like a horrific leg injury. Is that right? What was his deal? So he turns down this, this contract and it's just like, it's just such unfortunate timing because did you have a hip, you have a hip problem. Hmm. 32 years old, only 32 years old. I, I might've told this story on the podcast before, but, uh, several years ago I did a, um, I went to an event at Cheney stadium in Tacoma, the, the Mariners AAA affiliate. And it was a bring back our Sonics night. And by the way, may he rest in peace, uh, passed away in 2021. Chris Brandon, Sonics guy, uh, local comedian also throughout the first pitch and Isaiah Thomas and slick. I have a picture with slick Watts as a result of this Isaiah Thomas and slick Watts are there. And uh, at the time Isaiah Thomas played for the Sacramento Kings. And I believe he was uh, judging by his eye color and glossiness. I think he might've been, slightly under the influence of uh, a substance of some kind. <laughs> and um, and uh, I said, you know, I hope that um, I hope that you're back. I hope that you're playing in Seattle very soon. And he goes, me too, man. Me too. And it was like, oh, dude, like I'm sure that there's some asshole out there who he could have said that too, that would have like, you know, made it, I had a sports blog at the time. I could have, uh, I could have written about how Isaiah Thomas wants the Kings to move to Seattle, but I didn't because I'm a hero. Yeah. He's got a, he had a hip injury. What is this hip injury there? Uh, um, loss of cartilage and arthritis in his hips. Damn. Anyway, he lost, I mean, as a result of this, probably lost, you know, tens of millions of dollars, probably, you know, $50 million or something like that. And it's very sad. It's very sad. And it's not necessarily like, I don't know if that would have been a good contract for the team that signed him or not. I don't give a fuck about that. Uh, this guy, you don't, you only get so many chances, right? That's the, the deal about any of these jobs that everybody wants is you're not securing them because everybody wants them. There's always somebody coming up behind you. So that's why things are very cutthroat in comedy. Why, why, uh, it's important to make sure that you denigrate your fucking colleagues for trying to get better at their job for some reason. And, uh, it's also the reason why, um, the NFL doesn't have guaranteed contracts because injuries are common and, I guess that's the most powerful group of billionaires. So, all right. Uh, please come see me do stand-up comedy next weekend, uh, January 21st. I will be at North Bend Theater, provided I do not have COVID-19 by then still. Um, ticket sales are looking a little light. North Bend Theater, you can find it on Eventbrite. 
please, please, please buy tickets. Make the trip. Make the trip. There's a VIP package where you get it's. I'm with. I'm there with uh, Gabriel Rutledge, who's the best comic in the Northwest. As I talked about on the last episode, go check out his uh, boys or uh, jokes versus Boise special on YouTube that just came out. I'm still working on my thing. It's coming out soon. I've been uh, really pouring through it, and I hate the I re- I hated the material when I recorded it. I'm fucking so sick of the material now. So I'm hoping that I can maybe sell the last of my merch. Uh, when people watch this, um, I don't want to call it a, I think what I'm going to call it is baby weight, B-A-B-Y-W-A-I-T, E-P, because it's only 25 minutes, it's not full album length, and then comedy special, so it's going to have a question mark at the end, because I can't, I don't have the the self-worth to just call it a comedy special. Anyway, uh, come check me out. DKCMcLean.com for stand updates. DKCMcLean everywhere. YouTube.com slash CaseyMcLean. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Tell a friend, a loved one, a coworker. Um, kiss your mom. Uh, hug your dog. I love you. Oh my God. This is bad. <laughs>